Welcome everybody to the GAR Capital official podcast. This is Carlos Garcia, the CEO and founder of GAR Capital and your host for the podcast. Uh, welcome aboard everybody if you're watching this on our YouTube channel or listening to this on uh, Apple Podcasts or Anchor Podcasts. Thank you so much for stopping by today. Uh, it's been two weeks since we did our last podcast. Obviously, we had some stuff going on. Couldn't get everything done, but you know what? We're back, settled in, ready to rock. It is May 6th, Sunday, 2018. Thank you guys again for joining in. First thing I want to talk about, obviously, is the markets. As always, the markets. Markets are so important, of course. First thing we're looking at. So again, we're just going to preview this week's uh, earnings. We're going to talk about where I think the market's going to go from here, range-bound, exactly what are we looking at, uh, economic data, and so on and so forth. First thing I want to bring up, too, which is pretty important, was exactly the non-farm payroll report that came out on Friday. Uh, pretty much a Goldilocks-type payroll report. What I mean by Goldilocks is not too hot, not too cold. We did break under the 4% mark for unemployment. So now we're at 3.9% unemployment rate. Uh, non-farm payroll cha- change was 164000 against 190000 expected. The previous one was 135000 so we are getting a growth in employment and uh, jobs. Uh, our average hourly earnings was misforecast with only one-tenth of 1% uh, growth, which again, you know, it should tell you one thing is about inflation. The Federal Reserve is definitely looking at inflation and wage growth and seeing that, you know, with unemployment going down, obviously it's going to be harder to fill jobs. So in order to fill those jobs, you have to pay higher wages in order to attract better talent. So again, the more unemployment goes down, it's going to put pressure on inflation going up. It's going to raise rates across the board. Again, economics, the boring science, not too hot, not too cold. You got to have the happy medium. I think we're on a happy medium right now. As you know, uh, inflation is relatively tame and mild. Uh, but for the most part, again, the Federal Reserve's job is not to prop up the stock market. It's not their job. Their job is to do one thing and that's to mon- is, to, is to give their monetary policy and fight inflation. That's it. Again, What's the easiest way to fight inflation for them? What is what is their tools? They can increase the uh, they can decrease the money supply by raising interest rates, and of course, with deflation or economic recession, they can decrease rates in order to spur up more borrowing borrowing costs. Uh, when people ask what is Q QE quantitative easing, quantitative easing, it's basically the Federal Reserve buying back bonds from the U.S. Treasury, which spurs economic growth because it brings down interest rates. Again. When you have a higher demand for bonds, again, remember, guys, bonds and interest rates. Remember, prices and, and yields are two different things. They move inverse from each other, like a like a seesaw. So, for example, if bond prices go up, yields are going to go down. If bond prices are going up, that means there's a demand of bonds, meaning just like the stocks. If there's a, a good demand for a certain stock, let's say Apple, for example, the stock's going to go up. Guess what's going to happen? The stock goes up in price because there's more demand for it. Supply and demand. If in turn, if it goes down, meaning that people are selling it or not buying it, prices are going to go down. So in turn, yields go up. So again, you have the opposite effect, opposite effect. Why do yields go up in bonds? Because they need to compete in order to get business. So again, higher interest rates across the board hurts companies to borrow. For example, like a Tesla. Tesla, you know, who definitely, Tesla and Netflix are the first two that come to mind when it comes to borrowing because they use capital markets, the bond market, corporate bond market, in order to spur up economic growth, I mean, uh, excuse me, um, spur up cash so they can do either more marketing, uh, more research, 
for example, Netflix, what they do is that they make more shows. They have to pay for all that stuff. Tesla, more research, more production. So again, a lot of it's just debt, you know, again, but that is good in this sense because it spurs growth. Uh, they need it, you know, they're definitely cash burn there, but these tech companies are highly aggressive in growth companies and they have to use the capital marks to do so. So it does hurt those two kind of companies when interest rates go up. But again, with going back to the uh, average, average hourly earnings, again, only up one tenth of 1%. That's pretty, really mild. That's not very, um, that's not very, you know, spookish or scary for the Federal Reserve, in my opinion. Um, we've seen that uh, the Federal Reserve has been a little more, uh, less than prudent in regards to talking about rate hikes, meaning that they'll do what they got to do. Um, but, you know, in regards to rate hiking rates this year, I believe the next meeting we have is in June. We will see if they raise rates then. But again, in my two cents is that, you know what, they're going to watch the markets as it goes. Right now, we are off the top about, I want to say about a good 8% from the top. Uh, right here, you're looking at the SPX. This is the S&P 500 index, 2872, 26,663. We're about 8% off the all-time highs. Um, again, strong corporate earnings. We've had it. You've seen the S&P with strong corporate earnings. Buybacks from companies. Again, it's a very investor-friendly market right now. Very investor-friendly. Definitely very trader-friendly because volatility gets us paid. Volatility, as you know, when we trade options, you see how the markets move up and down. Volatility is a good thing. Just wanted to give my two cents on the non-farm payroll report. But again, even though the number missed, this is still a good thing for the markets. That's why the market soared yesterday, and you could see it here. So let's go ahead and bring that up on the hourly for the day. Uh, let's see if I can get that daily chart for the hourly. And you could see here on Friday on the uh, S&P how we looked. Oh, let me go ahead and bring this back here for all our YouTube our YouTube viewers right now. See if I can bring up a 15-minute chart. Here we go on Friday. You can just see just the, the nice big, big bump, 1.28% on the S&P for the day uh, after a strong non-farm pair report. Everything was catching a bit across the board. Um, but again, we've seen, if we're going to bring up here the daily chart, you can see here just the line in the sand is 2575. I would actually be honest with you. I would say maybe 2600 would probably be our, our support level in a technical sense. I would say more of a psychological sense, 2600. But if you want to get really technical, the support level will probably be 2575 on the S&P. Um, if we could break above 2675, I would definitely want to go ahead and, and jump on the S&P uh, to the higher upside. But again, the biggest, biggest push here in the S&P, which is the highest weighted, is Apple. And you saw just yesterday uh, how, how much we've made, up 4%. Again, guys, keep in mind, Apple... The way it goes up near 4%, they have such a high market cap, of course, it's going to boost markets. Dow Jones, industrial average, up 332 points just on Friday, 1.39%. But again, if you talk about relatively strength, relative weighted, Apple is weighted very heavily. Not in the Dow, obviously, not as much as Boeing, because Boeing has been pushed so high. But I'm talking about the S&P 500. Apple is definitely weighted there because of the market cap. And again, you've heard the saying, all tides, uh, was it uh, rising tide lifts all boats? I would say the rising Apple lifts off boats. That'd probably be the best thing there. We broke above resistance here on a daily chart. Let's take a look at Apple here for a second. Uh, right around here, around 182.50. I've been saying before, and I've said it again, I don't want to trade Apple. If you want to trade calls or, or, or options, that's fine. But trading the stock is absolutely foolish. You want to buy and hold this stock forever. Apple is the company. If I had to pick a company to hold on for the rest of my life, I'd probably say Amazon would be number one, but Apple's up there. The reason, because Apple has so much cash, they can make acquisitions. They can buy back stock. They can increase dividend. 
I mean, the balance sheet is literally a fortress. They have so much money that they could just, I mean, they're not a hardware company. They are a hardware company, but now they're moving to services. You can see Apple Music. You can see the cloud making money. Those companies are bringing those revenues in. I love what Tim Cook is doing. They have such a great management team at Apple. The brands, it's the brand, guys. The brand, Apple the brand is absolutely insane. That name, like Coca-Cola, like Starbucks, absolutely killer. Got to give props to this company. And Warren Buffett is not stupid. Warren Buffett is a smart man. Obviously, you know, he's not worth $70 billion by accident. The man knows what he's talking about. He loves him some Apple, and he bought a lot more stock in first quarter. Now, again, do we take everything that uh, Warren Buffett says as gospel? No, not exactly, because we own Bitcoin, and he hates Bitcoin. But again, let's be real here. Warren Buffett missed the whole train on Amazon. No one's perfect. He may be an oracle, but he ain't a god. <laughs> he ain't a god. He ain't a god. I'm not, not, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a god either. But again, he totally missed the boat on Amazon. But again, guys, remember, at the end of the day, it's not about being right all the time. It's about being profitable. Forget being right. So we'll move on here. Let's talk about, uh, let's go and uh, change gears here. I want to talk about the economic reports that are coming up next week. Um, here on, today is Sunday, so we're going to take a look at Monday. Uh, for the most part, I mean, just FOMC talks. We have a bank holiday in Britain. Uh, Aussie retail sales for Forex traders, but I wouldn't put too much emphasis on that. Um, a Federal Chair, Federal Reserve Chair uh, Powell speaks on Tuesday at 3.15 in the morning, uh, which is the meeting. Uh, monetary policy influences on global financial conditions and international capital flows. This is in Zurich, uh, Switzerland. Um, does it make a difference on what that is going to happen? But we give some hints on monetary policy in the United States, probably. But again, I wouldn't put too much emphasis into it. Uh, Wednesday, we have the RBNZ, a little bit of a, a Royal Bank of New Zealand monetary policy statement. We'll see if anyone who's a Kiwi trader will be very interested to see that. Um, maybe look at the Kiwi dollar. Dollar has been on fire. Look at here. We also have monetary policy for the Bank of England on Thursday. So again, a lot of stuff coming up in the Forex side. Big, big stuff. We'll see exactly what happens there. Um, the British pound has been taking a little bit of a beating, as you noticed. So maybe take a look in that. Maybe put a, a couple of uh, shorts there. Take a look at that. And then Canadian uh, dollar, I mean, excuse me, uh, Canadian unemployment and employment change. And then, of course, our old friend, our old pal, Mario Draghi, who likes to move the euro, will be talking on Friday, May 15th. That'll be the 11th of May. And that'll lead us into the next weekend. So again, you know, not tons of economic data for the United States. We had a ton last week, but again, we'll keep an eye on everything as we go. So not much movement in regards to the S&P in regards to economic data. But what will move markets next week as well? Not crazy, but we have our economic calendar. This is a screenshot from our Instagram page. Make sure to check it out at GAR Capital. We went and posted this up. So let's take a look at that. We have Monday, anything that comes out to me, Monster Energy, I mean, we don't even trade options on that. So Monday's pretty much quiet. I don't see anything that's really gonna move. On Tuesday, yes, the one thing I really, really, really wanna watch is Walt Disney Company. That's, uh, that's uh, it's the symbol DIS. Disney, again, I'm a huge fan of Disney. The company, the stock, not so much. The only thing, if you wanna compare Disney, I can only compare it to one other company, and that is Netflix. And you see how Netflix here, I'm going to put a daily chart for both. And you can just see the difference here on a daily chart. I mean, they both have content. And I want to compare both companies. You know what, just, just do it for, for the heck of it. I'm going to go to Google Finance here. 
want to go ahead and bring up the uh, the fundamentals here. Well, Disney Company, I don't know if you can really say Netflix is a comparable company, but I guess you can. People to compare it now. So let's take a look here at Disney and Walt Disney, Disney and Netflix. This is the last three months. You could see 2.69% versus 2.44%. But I want to go ahead and bring up and stretch it out a little more. You can see Walt Disney is down nearly 10% in one year. Netflix is up 103%. Now, again, Disney is not a growth company, guys. Acquisitions is the only way they're going to grow for the most part. A couple things I want to talk about Disney. I love Bob Iger. He's the CEO. There's a couple things I like. And I am a big fan of Disney because my nephew and my niece are absolutely wild about Disney. I love the Marvel movies. I love the Star Wars movies, of course. So I'll support that. What's killing Disney, guys, what is killing Disney is ESPN. ESPN is the sports network that they bought out about a couple years ago to expand their portfolio of media. As you know, they own ABC, which ABC, with the ESPN acquisition, got the rights to the NBA, NCAA, uh, turn, uh, the March Madness tournaments. Uh, they got some NFL, the NFL package. Uh, they also have Major League Baseball. I think they have all sports. They don't have hockey anymore. That they don't have. They don't have NHL. Um, they lost the bid on the World Cup, I believe, to Fox. To, to, to Fox. They don't have any soccer. NBC Sports, uh, which is Comcast owned, and Fox, which is 20th Century Fox, which might be merging with Disney. Again, I know they're not going to get Fox News, but they're going to probably get uh, the Fox Sports Channel. So I'll have to go ahead and research that a little bit. But I digress. In regards to the difference between Walt Disney and Netflix, you can see Netflix is just an absolutely growth story. It's all subscribers, right? So you know that with Netflix, it doesn't matter how much money they lose, it's how much subscribers they gain in regards to their service. You know, the $15 service, it's all about how much customer-based growth do they have. That's the main point here for Netflix. Disney, on their end, they have such an expansive portfolio, other forms of streaming income or different wings. You have the theme parks, which are very, very profitable. You have the media division, which is uh, the Marvel Studios, which is extremely profitable. Avengers was the fastest, the new Avengers movie, Avengers Infinity Gauntlet, is the fastest movie to hit $1 billion worldwide in the history of movies. It took about a week. That is absolutely incredible. I believe the budget for that movie was about $270 million. They had like $150 or $200 million in marketing costs. So you bought $400 million, and they made that back, what, in about a week? Less than a week? Uh, not even uh, a couple of days they made that in a weekend. So again, the Marvel Studios has been a home run for them when they bought that from the Stan, from Stanley, who was the creator. Uh, not to mention, guys, remember, if you want to look at Disney, the top 10 gross, highest grossing movies of all time, for the most part, seven of them are Disney movies. I believe seven of them. 70% of the top 10 grossing movies of all time, not just for inflation, is owned by Disney. That's Star Wars. That is Marvel. Those are the Beauty and the Beast movies, the, the Disney cartoons. I mean, it's absolutely amazing what they're doing. Now you're probably asking yourself, well, Carlos, if that's the case, why is the stock getting crushed? Well, looking at the financials here, the market cap is almost, look, look at the market cap it compared. What, here is what you have the difference here, guys. P.E. ratio, which is price to earnings ratio. You're only paying $16 per every dollar earned, which is relatively right in the middle of the line with what you like. You're paying $191 per dollar earned by Netflix. That means for every dollar earned, you're paying $191 in stock and $191 each for the stock. Absolutely ridiculous. That's where we are. For Netflix, just like Amazon, PE ratios are out of whack because it's a tech company. It's it's aggressive growth tech company. They're, I hate to say this, but they're not really profitable yet. So they're just hitting, they're just barely scratching the surface. Disney is a household name. It's been around for generations. 
you could see the growth that they have. Bob Iger, honestly, I can't even fault him for, for the stock price going down. I know that's his job, but they're running this ship really well, but they got to do something with ESPN. ESPN has to, has, to, has to go, in my opinion, or change something. The reason is the cost of the content. NBA, MLB, uh, NFL are absolutely outrageous. Those TV deals are in the billions of dollars. So again, that's killing them because they're losing subscribers too. They're trying to find a way to hold on to subscribers. People are cutting the cords, the cables. You have the Roku's now. You have the YouTube lives, now, YouTube uh, cable channels, Google channels, or what have you. Uh, people streaming on their phones. You, you, people are not watching TV anymore. So again, that's what kills Disney. Let's take a look at the stock together. Let's take a look at Disney, which is pretty much the biggest stock for the week, uh, biggest market cap stock for the week that's been trading. So let's take a look at Disney here on an hourly chart. This is the one chart I'm going to look at. We broke support here right around 99.03. So we're ahead of the earnings call. If we're going to look at together, first thing I want to look at, of course, is our channel, guys. We'll look at resistance and support. So looking at these two here, you can see right below the channel here about two weeks now. We got the high of 102, the low of 107. We're nearing that resistance point here. The only thing with Disney that really, really just kind of makes me think is that you don't have a ton of, a ton of um, options, uh, excuse me, um, demand for options here. It just doesn't have, they don't have it. Uh, again, could, could they? Yes. We put a, went ahead and put an alert here at 101.62. I believe if we break 101.62, we can get to the upside and maybe hit 102.71 and maybe some highs. But we really have to see a difference here. I mean, we're closer to resistance. I love Disney, but I'm just, I'm a little nervous here. They just really have to knock it out of the park with their earnings. I, I have to see better guidance. I have to see something in regards to a change with ESPN, or I have to see a change with a buyback program, something, dividend increase, something to really knock it out of the park. Remember, Apple beat their expectations, but their hardware sales slowed. What made the stock go up was the $100 billion, how much was it? I believe a $10 billion buyback in stock, or is that $100 billion buyback in stock? So something outrageous. But they have tons of cash that could do that. So again, uh, that again of all shareholders, you got to be shareholder friendly. The stock is not happy right now. The market is not happy with Disney. You are what your stock price is saying at the moment. They got to give me something. Bob Iger's got to, it's his show. He's got to show us something. I believe buybacks. I believe that uh, a higher dividend, better guidance, something. He's got to give us something. Don't look at just the numbers here with Disney. Take a look at the whole picture here. We know their P.E. ratio. We know their dividend is pretty low, around 1.6% on their dividend yield. I mean, nothing absolutely outrageous. 1.66 dividend yield. Again, you have to convince us, the investors, why am I going to put money in your stock when I could buy Netflix that has a lot more aggressive growth? And we've seen them growing time and time again, and time and time again, knock it out of the park with their earnings with great guidance. Why? Why would I not put my money with Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, against Disney? Netflix has doesn't have the overhead that Disney has. Sure, Disney does have the, the, the portfolio. And remember, Disney movies are still on Netflix. Disney are still creating their own kind of Netflix template of streaming, which we know that's going to happen. But again, that's going to take integration. That's going to take time. We're quarter to quarter. We're investors. We want to see exactly what Disney has to do. So again, I'm a little bearish on Disney. I love Disney, but I'm bearish. Bob Iger's got to really show me something, guys. He's really got to show me something. Back at it at the other. Let's take a look at the other uh, earnings this week. Uh, Match, no. Match was dead and crushed this week because of Facebook and their new dating app that they're releasing. Uh, but again, I'm not taking a look at it. JD.com doesn't have tons of options. 
Um, options market is closed because it's Sunday, so I really can't see demand or volume. We'll get that set up when we have our Twitch channel up and you can see it live. Uh, JD.com may be interesting. China Play. Valiant. What, what do we know about Valiant? Guys, if you haven't seen, on, speaking of Netflix, go on Netflix. Uh, take, a, take a look at this show called Dirty Money. It's about Valiant. It's a, it's a documentary series, and it talks about Valiant and the short sellers against Valiant. And I really, really recommend them. I really do really recommend that uh, episode. It's a very interesting one. Take a look at that. It's called Dirty Money on Netflix on Valiant. Take a look at Valiant stock here again. You can see a bull run here from 1546 to 1802, close up at 1.46%. But of course, the whole market was up on Friday. Thank you, Apple. But again, I'm just seeing a couple things here. You know, I'm taking a look at support here right around 1740. If you want to take a look at, at the next resistance mark, you could take a look at resistance right over here at 1840. We're about 40, 38 cents away from that. Maybe if you want to go ahead and break above that, we could put an alert here at 1843. Right around there, we could take that. And if we break down below 1736, then I'm okay with putting some couple of uh, put positions, uh, a couple of put positions here on the cost uh, on the option side. The question is how much. How much demand are we going to get? Again, it's all about that. So again, we went ahead and put the alerts there. Take a look, all podcast listeners and YouTube listeners. Go ahead and put your alerts here at 1843 and 1736. If we break down below, if they miss their earnings report or what have you, or we get a short sale or whatever, everything just falls apart, we can go ahead and short and buy some put options. If they beat and they have great, great guidance, then I'm going to go ahead and put some calls here right above 1843 to confirm the bull run to the upside. Let's take a look at a daily chart just to see exactly where we are. You could see 2443 was the high for the year. This is 2017, uh, ever since 2017, last year. Got to break that channel. Maybe we can get above 19. We're a long way from 2443. If you really want to be depressed, if you were a valiant, uh, a valiant uh, investor, don't look at the monthly chart because we were at a high of $263, and now we're around $18. So uh, floor, maybe. <laughs> But it's an ugly chart. It's a very ugly chart. Very, very ugly. Take a look at the next earnings reports that are coming up. Roku, I'm not a huge fan. Groupon, Roku, would they had their IPO soared and then had their first quarterly earnings report. They soared. Not interested. Moving on. Uh, I mean, we could take a look at it. But again, the only one I'm looking at this week are two, Disney and NVIDIA. And NVIDIA is one of my favorites uh, companies, obviously, with their aggressive growth. Um, I own their stock. I own AMD as well. Micron, I do not. But again, we've played many calls on NVIDIA. NVIDIA is a great company, $240. A share uh, is the high, $239.06 right now. We run ahead and broke resistance now. Again, it's just an expensive stock to play in options because it's $239 each. Uh, $239 a share. If you want to take a look at NVIDIA, let's do that. We can take a look at the options, but again, we're not going to get the pricing. May 11th, again, oh, we do have some pricing and some volume here. You can see how expensive they are, guys. Again, let's say if we want to play the uh, the 255 calls. Again, we're talking about a 5% move. Uh, the volume is great at 224.49, but again, $2.50. Again, it's all relative to how you trade. So again, let's take a look at that. That'd be a, a nice, interesting call if you want to take a look at that. It would be uh, the 240, the two. 55 calls, take a look at that, if we break above, uh, at $2.50, and this is May 11th. This would be the NVIDIA calls, so take a look at that. That could be a great play. Uh, Disney, I don't want to play just yet, 
because I want to see exactly what they have. But NVIDIA, I'm pretty bullish on. Uh, but again, the chart is absolutely amazing here. I love this, this nice bull run here from 210 here just in an hour, in about a week. And again, we went ahead and broke above resistance. Let's see how we open up on Monday. Again, the Apple, the Apple bull run on Friday did help. But again, NVIDIA has been soaring up as the semiconductors have increased. I want to go ahead and compare the four stocks, the, the four things uh, compared to NVIDIA. SMH is the, uh, the semiconductors index, uh, kind of the ETF semiconductors. So again, you can kind of call it shaking my head or all that have you, but you can see the little bump up here on Friday with the Apple push. Uh, then, of course, you have Micron. And let's go ahead and bring this up on an hour. I want to show you the comparison. You can see the nice little bump up here, but Micron up 2%, 2.6% on SMH, NVIDIA up 2.6, And then, of course, we have AMD. And I've talked to you about AMD many times. Um, again, it's it's very cheap, $11.28 a share. I've been in the stock since it was around $2 a share. I still hold it. I'm still owning it. Um, I think their company is well-run. I like AMD long-term, and I like holding it. And you could see with the Apple push up 3% for the day on Friday. So again, you want to look at semiconductors, take a look at these four stocks. Uh, NVIDIA does report Friday. So again, it's very important to take a look at NVIDIA and see exactly, hey, what can we get there? If we get a nice guidance push for some hardware sales and some future sales on guidance there too, that could lift up the SMH, that could lift up the AMD, and that could lift up Micron. But again, I remember we've always ranked them. NVIDIA is number one. I like AMD number two and Micron number three. And of course, guys, if you just like the semiconductor space and you're bullish on it, but you kind of don't want to pick stocks, go ahead and just buy the SMH and hold that long term. Again, SMH, semiconductor stocks are based on two factors. It's based on autonomous vehicles and, of course, artif um, augmented reality. Those chips, you need that kind of push in the computers. That's what you're playing on. Autonomous vehicles, augmented, augmented uh, reality. Uh, what Apple phones are doing, what the new phones are doing. Again, they use these chips. Um, NVIDIA, the reason I like NVIDIA, because of one thing, too. I also like Nintendo Switch, which is their best-selling handset or best-selling hardware ever, ever in the Nintendo's history. Guess what they use in their chips? You guessed right. It's NVIDIA. So, again, a good sales with Nintendo Switch should help NVIDIA. So that's where we are. So we're going to end this here pretty soon. I want to go ahead and show you this big chart here. I went ahead and posted this on Instagram. This is the S&P 500 index since April 2012. And you can see when you have the talking heads all over, uh, all over CNBC, Fox Business, what have you, Bloomberg. And you get these really smart, intelligent men, intelligent men who are very wealthy making predictions. And I always get people asking me on the morning notes, hey, what's your prediction? What's your prediction? What's your prediction? What have I always said? Forget predictions, react. That's the key. We look at here, Bill Gross, 731.12. The cult of equity may be dying, but the cult of inflation may have just begun. Again, that may help Bill Gross. Why? Because what does he trade? He used to run PIMCO. Now he's with Janus. What does he do? He's a bond trader. He's a bond guy. Of course, to him, it doesn't matter with stocks. Obviously, bonds and stocks kind of correlated sometimes, but... Take it with a grain of salt. Bill Farrell, the real crash is dead ahead. It's easy to be a bear. I just want to make that very clear. It's very easy to predict the world's going to end. It's kind of like predicting you're going to die. Of course you are. Of course the world's going to end one day. The thing is that when you just keep saying it's coming, it's coming, it's a lot easier to say something bad's going to happen, but you don't have a time when than it is to say something good's going to happen and you don't know the time when. You never hear the news saying, everything is great, have a great day. No, there's always something you have to report, something negative. That's what gets people's attention. Mark Faber, prepare for a Mars 
Massive market meltdown. This is 2012. <clears throat> and the S&P still going up. <laughs> and then I'm just looking here. Carl Icahn, very intelligent man. Danger ahead. <laughs> and what happened? Still. Uh, Jeff Gunn, like, sell everything. 7.30.16. Yep, that didn't do well because that was around 2,000 on S&P. Uh, Paul Krugman, very probably looking at a global recession with no end in sight. Yep, that was on the 9th of, uh, of, the, of November. Excuse me, that was right when uh, Trump was elected. And funny story, Carl Icahn, that day of the celebration of his victory, went straight to his computer and bought futures. Smart man. Paul B. Per Paul B. Paul B. Farrell, 100% risk of a 50% crash if Trump wins a nomination. Nope. The crash of 2016 is coming, dead ahead. Crash is a sure bet. It's a guaranteed certain. We will say guaranteed or certain. Run fast. Harry Dent, once-in-a-lifetime crash is coming the next three years. Well, it's 2018, and he said this in 2017, so he's still got a couple years. Epic decline ahead. Mark Faber, stocks to plummet 40%. This is in June of 17. Major stock market corrective is coming, and that's October 17. And, of course, Wad, White, Robert Wiedemeyer. The data is clear. 50% unemployment, 90% stock market drop, 100% annual inflation starting as soon as next year. He just said that. And he said this starting 2014 as well, if you could look here. The point I'm making with this kind of stuff, guys, again, do your own research. Do your own homework. Again, bad news sells always. Bad news sells. Good news doesn't sell. I'll give you a perfect example. The Weather Channel, no one watches the Weather Channel for the most part. But when there's a hurricane in your area or there's a tornado in your area, you're glued to that TV. You're glued. So again, pump full of fear. Pump full of fear. Forget being fearful. Be confident. Be confident in your research. Be confident in what you do. Remember, good habits, long-term, with a plan, will guarantee you success. That's it. Consistency will give you success. Do your research. Do your homework. You'll be fine. That, that I can guarantee if you do that, you'll be fine. But again, if you want something easy and you want to listen to these guys and the world's going to end someday, I'm not saying we're not going to have a recession. It's an absolute certainty. Yes, it will. But I'm not going to tell you it's going to happen in two years. I'm not going to tell you it's three years. Again, what have we said? If the market tanks, we bank. If the market falls, guess what? You can make money. If the market rises continually, guess what? You can make money. So there you go. So that's the end of our podcast this week. This is a pretty fun one. We talked a lot about Disney. We talked some Netflix. We talked about people's predictions. We talked a little bit about NVIDIA. We talked about some, uh, some um, economic reports coming up, or the lack thereof. But for the most part, this was a great podcast. I really enjoyed uh, speaking with you guys. Uh, quick update. We are going to have the um, Twitch channel coming up pretty soon. Uh, that'll be coming up live pretty soon. I have to set up data. I have to set up uh, with my IT guys to get that set up for you guys so you can actually see my charts. So if you guys have any questions, let me know, gaircapital at gmail.com. My name is Carlos Garcia, founder and CEO of GAR Capital. Have a great rest of your weekend. I got some classes today. I got my schedule packed. Tons of classes this week for my students. I love it. I love it. And if you want to join our one-on-one -on -one classes, please let me know, gaircapitalgmail.com. I would love to teach you options directly, one-on-one, -on -one, 15 hours, total session. It's one-on-one, -on -one, you and I, online or in person if you're in Miami, the Miami area. And that includes three months of signal service. And of course, we talk everything. We set up your, your, your game plan for trading. We do everything together, demo trading. We do live trading together. I will help you succeed. If you have any questions, again, gaircapital at gmail.com. GAR Capital on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, Twitter, or everywhere you want to be. Let us know. We appreciate you guys as always. 
My name is Carlos Garcia, founder and CEO of GAR Capital. Have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you guys soon.